0: Welcome back to Adventures in Blockchain. I'm Gregory from Dapp University, and I'm here with my co-panelists today, Roman and Bruno, and also a special guest, uh, Johan from Chainlink, which is an exciting new project that I'm really excited to talk about, right? So if you're new to the podcast, you know it's a podcast all about blockchain development. We're a developer-focused uh, podcast, and we like to do a lot of different things. You know, We talk about uh, topics pertaining to blockchain development, but we also have really cool guests on the channel like Johan today. Um, Um, who is working on a really cool product that I'm excited to chat about. All right, so welcome to the podcast, Johan.
1: Hey, Gregory, thanks for having me.
0: Awesome. Yeah, we've got our our co panelists, uh, Roman and Bruno here, they're gonna be chiming in asking questions. Um, So really quickly, uh, you know, tell me your elevator pitch, right for for what you guys do over at Chainlink, because this is, you know, a project that has gotten a huge spike in attention lately. And, you know, I want to know why. And uh, kind of tell us what you guys are doing over there.
1: For sure. Yeah, so to explain Chainlink, it's easier to go back to the definition of smart contracts and their utility. So smart contracts are a form of digital agreements that deterministic and self-executes, which means whenever you get the right triggers, your contract will execute and you'll get the output you are expecting. Now, these properties in the real world have huge value. Just imagine if you had insurance contracts, which would auto-execute without having to do the settlement without having to take proofs for everything. You know, like, just imagine you have derivatives contracts which auto-executed and it were super reliable. That's, that's a great value prop for enterprises, right? Right. Okay. Currently, to do this on the blockchain, uh, you need data. You need outside data, real-world data. And the current blockchains, such as Ethereum, such as, you know, Tezos, Cosmos, all these blockchains, they don't have access to this outside data. They only have access to on-chain data, which is secured by consensus and which is the only reliable data on the blockchain. So how do you get data onto the blockchain? Well, you create oracles. And these oracles will have to fetch data from the real world, from API endpoints, and feed this data to smart contracts. And The gist of it is that these oracles are not part of the consensus mechanism, they're a third party. So you have to trust them in some way. You have to make sure that this data that's coming into your smart contract is reliable, is secure, and that the actors which are providing it have the right incentive to provide the right data. So that's what we are doing at Chainlink. We are building a decentralized oracle network which ensures that these oracles which are feeding you data are as reliable and as secure as possible.
0: Right. Totally. Yeah, that's a great explanation. So for anyone that's, you know, you know, new to the blockchain space, you know, let's just kind of clarify that a little bit, right? So, you know, you know I was talking about smart contracts being, you know, this amazing uh, mechanism that, that can exist on the blockchain that, you know, it's basically code that, you know, is going to work every time. And it, it models a real world contract, you know, like this insurance settlement. Um, but the problem is, you know, how, how do you know that an event happened, right? How do you know that, Um, you know, this event that, you know, caused this insurance, uh, contract to be called (laughs) even, even really, even really happened. So you need data from the real world. And this is a, this is a problem on the blockchain. So let's kind of dig into that just a little bit. Uh, you know, you mentioned it from a high level, but since we were talking to developers here, like, why can't you just make an API call from a smart contract?
1: But you need a piece of middleware first. So this piece of middleware is an oracle. Now, right. spinning up an oracle is not too hard, right? You can have a centralized oracle, which will, which will feed data into your uh, smart contract. Now, the issue with having one single centralized oracle is that it's a single point of failure. Now, the reason we want to use smart contracts is because they are safe, they are deterministic, right? They have super nice properties. But whenever you introduce a centralized oracle into your system, then you are uh, making a much weaker architecture where you have in the middle a super piece, uh, like a super secure piece of computation, which is your smart contract, which is secured by uh, hundreds of nodes which are decentralized across the world, you know, and which are doing uh, computation from everywhere. And then you have one centralized oracle which is filling you data. Now, that's quite absurd, right? You don't want your Oracle, well, you don't want your uh, smart contract, which is super secure, to be triggered by something which is super insecure, such as a centralized Oracle. So so that's the reason why Channing has said to create this decentralized Oracle network, because we assume that the people who will be using smart contracts in the future will want end-to-end reliability in their architecture, so what we are doing is making this decentralized Oracle network as safe as the smart contract itself. So we want the data that it's provided to be as safe as the smart contract, which is uh, being triggered by this data.
0: Yeah, very cool. Awesome. That's a great explanation. Um, so I've heard recently that you all have some involvement with Google. Can you tell us anything about that and like, what Google is interested in about blockchain? Yeah, definitely. So I I think Google, as a data
1: provider, is very interested in, you know, the potential of blockchain technology in the future to host, uh, well, to take away a huge part of the digital agreements uh, market. So basically, uh, Google, like many companies, probably believes that smart contracts have some great qualities and that they will probably become one of the widest adopted uh, form of digital agreements in the future. And for this reason, Google chose to get involved into blockchain technology, and they chose to uh, work with Chainlink in order to create an adapter, which would allow to get data from Google's BigQuery service into the blockchain. So what this means in the future is that people using smart contracts, so smart contract creators, will be able to leverage Google's BigQuery directly into their smart contract by using Chainlink as a bridge.
0: Yeah, very cool. That's awesome. So, what uh, you know, are you guys using Chainlink in production with any projects that we might have heard of?
1: So, currently we're working with a multitude of projects to get onto to get them to use to start using Chainlink on mainnet. Now, we have a big number of uh, people who are working and who are interested in integrating us so a number of integrations are currently underway and they will be announced in the coming weeks but what's sure is that we are currently on mainnet we currently have a big number of oracle nodes supporting our network which means that these nodes are able to provide data to smart contracts so all the architecture is set up uh, we've just been live for a few weeks so it takes a bit of time to get all these guys ready on mainnet and using our product, but is going to come very fast. And we believe that the first uh, players to get using Chainlink will probably be the, you know, not the hardest, but the one which will take the longest time. Whenever we start using, uh, getting one or two dApps using Chainlink, then we'll see that, well, everyone will see basically that uh, Chainlink is a great system which feeds you data, which is super reliable, you know, and which is probably one of the, well, the leading solution on the market. So, we expect people to start using us, uh, well, at an exponential rate, basically.
0: Yeah, very cool. That's awesome. So uh, maybe can you tell me about um, you know some success stories with us already, or or maybe some success stories that you see happening in the near future, um, as far as just like you know use cases uh, for the the service itself. Yeah,
1: for sure. So I would say that currently the DeFi DApps which which have uh, kind of announced that they would be using channeling such as Synthetic, such as AmpleForce. We are quite proud of this success because DeFi is one of the sectors that uh, we kind of want to to get using channeling. You know, like we, we kind of reckon that currently DeFi is not as decentralized as it claims, right? And right. we believe that oracles are a main part of this problem. Uh, currently, a lot of these oracles that are being used... Uh, in DeFi DApps are more or less centralized. And so we believe we have a great alternative to these problems. Uh, Of course, Google was a huge uh, kind of, I wouldn't say success story, but I would say a big win for us because it showed that our approach was probably the right one. If someone like Google starts using us, then it's for good reasons, right? It means they did their research and they probably assumed that we were uh, the leading players there. Uh, so yeah, we we have a number of uh, of collaborations and of people who are we are working with that we are quite proud of, and like we can expect that this number will continue uh, rising as as people start choosing us more and more, you know, and uh, that the network develops more and more. Yeah.
0: Yeah, totally. That's awesome. So, you know, you mentioned, you know, decentralized finance. So just in case, you know, anyone is kind of curious about what all that entails, like what are some use cases of decentralized finance? Like what are people what are, like what are people doing? Is, are they trading on decentralized cryptocurrency exchanges? Is it just for, you know, holding funds in their wallet? And why do they need an Oracle for something like this?
1: Uh, they're doing uh, a lot of stuff. It's kind of the far west right now, <laughs> which is sure. nice to see. So they're doing uh, lending, borrowing, derivatives, uh, exchanges, of course, stable coins with MakerDAO. So you have so many kind of use cases for DeFi. Uh, I think the my use cases right now are really kind of derivatives, stable coins, you know, like... Uh, that that has been one of the biggest use cases we've seen recently. they need oracles in order to get the price of, uh, let's say, ETH USD onto mm-hmm. their dApps. So without these prices, like ETH USD is just an example, but they might need uh, forex prices later on. They might need BTC USD prices. You know, so all these prices need to be fed into their smart contracts because, as we were saying, the only data they have available on chain is well, the data that's uh, from the consensus. So maybe the nonce from the blocks and this type of stuff, <laughs> it's not going to get you uh, very far. So they need uh, the data from the real world. And for this, they need oracles. And the way they implement these oracles is very, very important in order to avoid issues such as having one oracle. Uh, like Let's say one of these, uh, of these derivatives platform you know, was using one single centralized oracle. What would happen to their whole system if the record was to go down, or was to get uh, attacked maliciously, and then it fed the the wrong data to the smart contract? Then right, lose money, right? Like people could lose huge amounts of money, and currently it's a small space. But we claim to be able to disrupt the whole uh, financial system, right? Well, there is no way the financial system is going to move to a platform where you have smart contracts which auto-trigger, and these smart contracts which are auto-triggering, which means you have no recourse if something goes banned, well, are being triggered by something which is centralized and unreliable, right? So that's why you need decentralized Oracle.
0: Yeah, totally. That's awesome. So, Um, yeah, go ahead.
2: So, um, yeah, I just have a quick question. Uh, Jan, you mentioned that um you know having a decentralized oracle is uh, the way to go um but does that mean that the the chainlink for example it works in the same way as a blockchain for example does it have a consensus algorithm or you know what makes it
1: decentralized yeah great question it's it's indeed it with consensus so Currently, when you have uh, Ethereum, for instance, where you have multiple nodes across the world and each of these nodes has a state of the blockchain, right? And each of these nodes will kind of put its state of the blockchain, which it believes it's true, uh, to its peers. And they will all reach a consensus on what the true state is, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, currently it's very similar with Chainlink nodes. Every node has a kind of state of the data that it's going to feed to the smart contract. This data is aggregated, so through consensus, and we get one single data point to use on the smart contract. So it's very similar to the Ethereum mechanism or Bitcoin mechanism, just replace state by data point, and that's it.
2: Awesome, that's very interesting. So um, uh, can you tell us uh, about the consensus algorithm that you use?
1: Yeah. so. We can aggregate, this. so it's not going to be a consensus mechanism such as BFT or stuff like this, right? It's going to be um, aggregation, like, so the person creating the smart contract will decide on the way, on the weight that node operators will have. So uh, a node operator might be more reputable than another one, so he'll decide to have more weight than the other, and then he'll decide on what kind of aggregation he wants. So. It can be average, it can be median, you know, so you can have multiple uh, sorts.
2: Awesome, that's really cool. Yeah.
1: yeah. We believe it offers a lot of kind of freedom to developers uh, to go with the approach they are the more comfortable with, you know, and they believe the most, is the most secure.
0: Yeah, very cool, awesome, thanks for that. So, you know, you mentioned earlier that you saw you know, Chainlink potentially, you know, growing exponentially in the future. Um, You know, what does that path look like for you all? And, you know, where do you see, you know, just what does that look like?
1: Yeah, definitely. So I think Chainlink will probably grow as the smart contract and the blockchain ecosystem grows. So, like, it's very obvious that smart contracts will need real-world data in order to function. And it's also real obvious if you look uh I had enough that smart contracts will probably become the leading form of digital agreements in the future because the guarantees they offer are so much you know better than what currently exists in the market right yeah so what we can say is that uh, chaining will probably be the gateway for smart contracts to get data from every api endpoint that's imaginable in the future and the way it looks like is currently we are seeing, you know, uh, a very small industry, right? However, Chainlink will probably start growing by getting more and more people uh, to work with. And once we got more people, you know, they'll see how what a nice system we've created. That we are creating real standards for the blockchain industry, and progressively uh, we get more usage as we get more adoption for smart contracts, right? So that's the way it will go. Like uh,
0: yeah yeah totally so you see chainlink as you know uh, an organization to help spread the adoption of blockchain and smart contract uses
1: yeah exactly yeah so as smart contracts grow and as our industry grows they need real world data in order to function and chainlink will provide this real world data
0: awesome yeah very cool
2: um so you said that um you know chainlink is here to help the adoption of blockchains and, you know, make it easier to work with blockchains and achieve, you know, our goals. Uh, can you tell us more about what are the blockchains that Chainlink, you know, in- integrates to or relates to?
1: Yeah, definitely. So currently we are uh, main on live on mainnet on Ethereum only. However, we are planning to work uh, with a bunch of other blockchains. So we want to support the main platforms. Uh, So currently we are working with Polkadot, we are working with Hedera Hashgraph, we are working with a big number of blockchains, uh, probably too many to say now. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, we we really are not uh, very, um, we want to support any platform which shows value in our eyes and we believe could get adoption in later stages. That's it. So uh, we are blockchain agnostic.
2: Awesome. That's really cool. And what about the, the other side? Like, um, Say I'm a developer, I want to use Chainlink. Do I need to like, um, use a specific language or
1: framework or do you support just anything? Yeah, definitely. So um, Solidity developers, so currently Chainlink will be integrated into smart contracts, right? So on Ethereum, it's only Solidity. Uh we created uh some very easy to use classes in order to easily implement uh channeling functions. So for instance, if you want to get uh, to create a request, you just do build channeling request, you know, and you send the right arguments. Like we made it super easy and intuitive for developers to build. We created a kind of solidity framework which which is which makes it like incredibly high level to, to create requests and to send a request to data provider to Oracle, yeah.
3: Let's say I have, a, I have an idea for an Oracle and a, I would like Chainlink to process this data for me. How does the new developers can ask Chainlink to support like the Oracle API or something like that? How does it work? Yeah, awesome
1: question. So we are a permissionless network, right? So you don't, you really don't have to ask us anything. Now, what you can do in order to support this API, which might not be supported yet, is create a personal adapter for this API. So we call it an external adapter, uh, which will allow to fetch data from this API. And if the right node operators support it, so you just have to talk directly to node operators, then you'll be able to get this data. So first, build this adapter, and then get the right people to support this adapter.
3: Is there a way like to to reach out to validators? Uh, so we currently, so we have a few on Discord. Uh,
1: we have a few on uh, Telegram. So yeah, it will be very, you know, by uh, social channels. Uh, and you can also see all the validators which are currently on mainnet. Uh, on our website awesome uh
3: is it, is it, do you plan to have some sort of maybe api driven uh way for validators to fetch the new new oracles or like i mean new adapters i mean i mean like let's say if I wrote an adapter and I say like I would like uh validators to process such requests in a certain way <clears throat> can I like Can I just post it somewhere so so the validators can automatically provide this kind of oracle?
1: Oh, I see, okay. So that would probably be a service agreement where the smart contract creator will ask to get data in a certain way. Uh, So for instance, every five minutes, I want this data fetched from this website. So we call this a service agreement, yeah. And uh, definitely it's implemented, yeah.
0: Awesome. Very cool. So, you, know, you mentioned um, that you are you know, currently supporting Ethereum out of the box. You essentially have kind of like a, a software developer kit, like a SDK almost for uh, Ethereum Solidity smart contracts. Um, if the developers want to check this out, you know, how can they get started? Where can they find it? Um, do you guys have guides, documentation, stuff like that?
1: Yeah, definitely. So, we have the channeling documentation. Uh, You just type channeling documentation or head over to our website and you'll see directly. And we have examples for smart contract creators to easily implement our logic into their smart contracts. Uh, We have also tutorials for uh, how like yeah, multiple tutorials. So it should be very easy for people to get started with channeling. We also have a Gitter channel and a Discord where we answer questions and whether we can help on the technical side whenever. So uh, it's really not that hard to get started uh, using
0: channeling. Awesome, very cool. So, uh, you know, it, we got a, a lot of developers listening to this podcast, right? And so there's an opportunity for you all to ask for help from the development community. Is there anything that we can do to, you know, chip in and, and support your all's vision and progress?
1: Well, I think the best way to do it is really, like, we want to grow organically, right? So I think anyone who is kind of building a smart contract that requires um real-world data should take a look at Chainlink. Like we've really built an easy framework for developers to use us. And we're also building a system which is secure and decentralized and reliable, right? So if you want to do things clean and in the blockchain way, uh, just use Chainlink. And I think as long as uh, everyone is kind of spreading this message, I would say, (laughs) which is that, hey, there is a really nice, you know, Oracle system, which is solving a real world problem to get uh, blockchain adoption, you know, then uh, we should be on the right track.
0: Awesome. Very cool. So, I got another question for you. For you, you know what? You, you guys did a lot of hard work to get this problem. Sorry, to get this project started. You know, tell me about the hardest problem that you all have solved. That's made Chainlink really valuable. Is it? Is it really just the, um, you know, getting the data in a reliable way? You know, what challenges have you had to overcome in order to do that?
1: Yeah, I think there are multiple challenges that we've overcome and that we still need to overcome. Like there is a lot of stuff in, you know, decentralized Oracle network. There is a lot of game theory incentive mechanisms, which it implies, right? So there is a lot of stuff under the the hood that we still need to solve. Um, Now, I would say something that we are really doing, I would say, very well and where we are creating a standard uh, is being uh, creating a piece of middleware which can connect to any API endpoint in the world. That's not a very easy task, right? You need to create something that's modular enough to connect to any kind of possible data that could be uh, kind of fetched from every system in the world, right? So uh, that's that's not a trivial task and we've, we've built something modular enough to be able to do it. So that's Really a challenge I think we, we can be proud of uh, achieving. Awesome. Very cool.
0: So Roman, I think, has one more question here. Do, uh, do you see?
3: Yeah, I have a question about, like, um, we just recorded a previous podcast episode uh, about passive income opportunities in blockchain. So I'm wondering if the, if there are ways that you can see for developers to build, like, to build some uh, solutions on Chainlink that will enable them to have some sort of passive income. Do you know any, any of
1: that? Yeah, I mean, I would say mostly node operators will probably start earning income if they have the right reputation, if they have kind of the right uh, system in place. Then they'll probably get a lot of attention from smart contract creators and will start getting requests for data for their nodes. So, uh, node operator who has a great reputation, you know, who who's Providing multiple data sources, and who has um, a big number of nodes running, you know, so it's it's secure and it's providing multiple data points. And then they'll probably get a large flow of uh, requests from DApps, and these requests will allow them to get paid uh, whenever they fulfill these requests. Right. So it's a it's an economic system. So uh, smart contract creators need data; they send request to node operators and these node operators fulfill these requests and get paid in
3: exchange. Yeah, that's very cool. Awesome.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. I think that's a uh, really cool way. So, you know, we talked about this as a, as a passive income source. I mean, how active actually with something like this Big. it sounds like, you know, you're trying to get people to use your data source. And, you know, is there going to be kind of uh, maintenance and upkeep as far as adding new s- data sources and stuff like that? Yeah,
1: so I think it's very similar to being a validator on other networks with some twerks also, like with some differences. So here you're not guaranteed to earn income. However, you kind of like you you have to compete between multiple uh, node operators. So the node operator which has the biggest reputation, which has the uh, best architecture, like these node operators, you know, which are the most reliable, will get the most data, uh, the most requests, sorry. And so it's really a free market system where if you're putting in the work, so that will probably be some work since you have to spin up multiple nodes you know to be as secure as possible, since you may want to create some adapters to kind of uh, well provide more data than the competition, you know so uh, it will probably require some work. However, if you are one of the node operators which in the future is powering the smart contract economy then this work will probably be worth it, right? Like just imagine if all the enterprises start using blockchain and smart contracts and you're one of the node operators servicing the data they need. Then it's probably,
0: you know, worth the work. Sure. Yeah, totally. So there'll be some work involved, but it'd be well worth your time.
3: (laughs) I would say this, yeah. (laughs) I have a question. Uh, do you have any slashing conditions for validators if they misbehave or provide uh, incorrect data?
1: Yeah, great question, actually, yeah. So um, in this sense, we are kind of similar to a staking system where in the future, uh, node operators will be might be asked by smart contract creators to put up a security deposit, so to stake some of their link tokens. And if they have... Uh, Very low uptime, or if their data they provide is too different from the data of their peers, so basically we find out that they're malicious in some way, or that they are not being serious, they're bad node operators. They might get slashed. Yeah. So we will have stashing and staking in the future. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Well, Johan, this has been a great conversation. Before we start, you know why finding things down. Um, is there anything else that you want everyone listening to, to know about Chainlink or where you're headed? Like, is there is there any takeaways that uh, we haven't covered yet? I think, yeah, I
1: think we asked the most important questions and, uh, you know, like really the main takeaway for developers, for your audience would be to kind of give it a try. So uh, really we are still at the beginning of this industry, the beginning of this technology and Chainlink is offering some... Uh, prospects which weren't really possible before so uh, you have some really cool stuff like being able to track the delivery of packages or like being able to track i don't know flights uh, in uh, real time like you can do so much stuff with chaining so many innovative systems and compelling systems i would really encourage uh, developers to give it a try to go into our documentation to go into our discord and start you know building chaining apps. yeah
0: (laughs) Yeah, very cool. And they can get started with the The resources that you mentioned before, you know, your documentation and and your uh, guides. So we're gonna put some links to those down in the video notes as well. Um. So, oh, excuse me, the podcast notes. Um. But yeah, Johan, this has been a great conversation. I know I've learned a lot about Chainlink. I'm excited to get my hands dirty and you know start uh, building things with Chainlink. Uh, thanks again for coming on to the podcast. You know, if, if people want to learn more about, you know. Uh, You or Chainlink, are you on social media? Is Chainlink on social media? You know, you mentioned the Discord channel, but are there any any other uh, resources that they can find? Yeah,
1: definitely. So definitely follow us on uh, Twitter. We have a Telegram, we have a Reddit uh, to start, you know, uh, getting along with the community. We have a Discord. So we have all of this stuff and if they want to learn more about us, we have a large area of YouTube videos. We have our documentation. And of course, anyone is free to reach out to us and we answer uh, very fast usually. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Awesome. Very cool. Well, again, thanks for coming on the uh, podcast today, Johan. It's been a great episode. I'm going to go ahead and call this one for today. So everybody, go check out Chainlink. Go check out those resources in the uh, podcast description. All right. Until next time, thanks so much for listening to Adventures in Blockchain. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN.